On this week's Adam Schefter Podcast, it's an action-packed Week 12, but we also look back to the events of Week 11, when Miles Garrett earned an indefinite suspension and the Alabama quarterback Tua Tungavailoa was knocked out for the season. To do that, we bring in my friend, my colleague, the great former NFL lineman Marcus Spears, and we'll be joined by another former NFL offensive lineman to get his perspective on the Miles Garrett incident, T.J. Lang. The former offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions joins us to share his thoughts on Miles Garrett. And ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan shares his thoughts on the great matchups of Week 12, and there's plenty of them. But first up, my friend, the great, great Marcus Spears. What's up, brother, from another? (laughs) Long time no speak. Dude, listen, you are all over the place, man. I'm I'm just I'm patiently waiting to see my man in New York or Bristol, bro. It is not the same this year, Marcus, I must say, working without you. I, I truly miss our days together on Thursday. Very I absolutely I'm the same. I absolutely do, man. Um college season to be over here, so I don't know if my schedule's gonna change at all, but I'm gonna try to make it up there to, to see you at least, man. You know, but the the good part is they got you doing some NFL live stuff. So maybe there's yes. a chance that once the college season ends and my Monday night yeah. travels end, that we will be united again on the television front, having fun, and our bromance can continue on set. Yes, if they want gold on TV, they will get us back together when the time is right. <laughs> we are coming off a week last week, Marcus, that I think was probably as busy from a football standpoint this season as we've had from the college game to a Maybe his college career ends. Certainly a season ends. Yes. We don't know what will happen with him. We got the fights with Miles Garrett. We got Colin Cat. We got all sorts of things last week. <laughs> I, I want to start, I think, with the fight in Cleveland. Because you were part of the Dallas Cowboys from 2005 to 2012. You were there to see Albert Hainsworth stomp on the face of your teammate, Andre Garrod. Did you yeah. see any similarities between what you saw on Thursday night with Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph and what you saw on the sidelines that day in Tennessee between Albert Hainsworth and Andre Garrod? Well, it's funny, Chef, because we, you know, as, as the offense is on, the defense is sitting on the bench. So we didn't really know the magnitude of what was transpiring with Andre um, Gerard at the time. And then when we watched it, when we saw it, um, well, actually, when we saw Drake come to the sideline, we all thought it was some kind of helmet malfunction where he got cut up or something. And then we started to realize, you know, I saw it was stir-crazy on the sideline. We like, what happened? And then they showed it again in the stadium. And I think this was one of the times the NFL didn't really, you know, they weren't really trying to hide anything. Yep. And um, that that is honestly the worst thing I've seen because Andre, first of all, posed no threat to Hainsworth. He was laying on the ground and Hainsworth was literally stomping on his face with cleats. And we were, I mean, we were just so furious at the time after, after it transpired that we didn't, you know, clear the benches and go handle business. And I think that's, that was the kind of the sentiment from everybody um, after seeing what had happened from a defensive standpoint. Um, In miles, in miles case, Mm -hmm. um, 
I think it's a little different. And I was on, you know, talking about Mason Rudolph's part in it as well. But with Miles, the you just cannot – like I said it, I tweeted out, he blacked out. He had to black out just to do that, right? We have this – obviously, you've heard me talk about the code in football. You've heard me talk about we don't really – Nobody's out there trying to hurt anybody permanently or put anybody in harm's way uh, permanently. But we just, like, when I saw it, I said, it's no way he was, like, consciously thinking about what was happening by swinging a helmet at Mason Rudolph's head, um, his own helmet, in, in that matter of fact. But it was one of those things where you kind of step back, like, days removed from that. I'm like, I just don't know his natural instinct was the swing. And I'm like, I just don't know how you get to that point. Like, how do you get to that snapped. point? Of, he probably just snapped for a moment. He yeah, just it, lost his mind. And Chef, it's not, look, we all seen that before, but you have to, you have to some kind of way curtail that. Like, because if it happens, then you and I are on your podcast having a conversation about, if Miles Garrett should be suspended indefinitely, 16 games, which I said when it first happened. Should it be eight games? Should it be reduced? Should we give credit to him for being in the moment and snapping? And so, like, how do you – I think the NFL suspended him indefinitely because it's almost like this is the first – like, how do you you judge that? Especially, you know, we all sitting here in a different phase because Mason Rudolph didn't end up getting his skull cracked or – um, getting hit the right way and getting knocked unconscious. Um, but at the same time, there's another part to that. There is the Mason Rudolph part where he's on the ground mad about how Miles Garrett tackled him, trying to take his helmet off. Then you get up, you push, he put Miles pulls your helmet off, and then you rush him again when O'Lyman have intervened. And it's like he just swung on you. So it's all of that stuff mixed in. But I think from Miles' standpoint, man, you just want – you got to say, man, you got to control yourself. Because, Chef, I tell people this all the time, and you know me, as real as it gets. It's people. It's a lot of people in jail for 30 seconds in their life. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's a lot of people that's, that's locked up or that have a – that lives are altered because in 20 to 30 seconds in the heat of passion, they did something that they regret for the rest of their lives. And I don't want to get super extreme – but the only reason I don't want to get super extreme is because the extreme didn't happen. But the fact that the po- the possibility of the extreme happening, you got to be serious about how you respond to it. Well, can you imagine if the extreme had happened? Like he could, Man. he could. I mean, he could have wound up in jail. He could have wound up in jail. Chef, absolutely. And I think people downplay it because we are it's hindsight, and we see Mason Rudolph not seriously injured. But I, you can't help but think about what would have transpired if it would have happened the the alternative way yeah. as far as being worse. Um, and not only in jail, Mason Rudolph could be laid up somewhere in a coma or worse. So it's not like we're exaggerating about the possibility of things that could have happened. It's just the fact that, that it got to that point where you have to think about those things that could have happened. So if you had a chance to sit down with Miles Garrett today, what would you, Marcus Spears, tell him about how he should proceed moving forward? I would tell Miles to 
first of all, in, in an appeal, um, I would tell him to personally tell the league how how remorseful he is for what he did. Um, I would also tell him to to ask the league about his character. Miles has penalties um, as far as rushing the passer, but Miles Garrett is a good dude. Like, I was in total shock that it was him, yeah. first of all, because I had a chance to cover Miles when he was at Texas A&M. That's just not his makeup to do anything like that, unless I am just gravely mistaken about this opinion that I formulated about him after meeting him four or five times while he was in school. Um, I would, I would, I would advise Miles to, to accept um, what the league said back um, to not fight the fact that he did something wrong to just fight the fact that this is not his character and he owned it. And then you are at, you are at, you are at the mercy of whatever the judgment is from the league. Um, but like I said, Shefty, when Miles Garrett swung that helmet, he kind of pushed everything else that transpired into a corner and put the spotlight directly on him because it was so egregious to, to what had happened that people was like, yeah, we know Mason Rudolph did all of that, but look at Miles swing a helmet at his head. Yeah. which I don't think is fair personally because I'm looking at the thing in totality. But at the same time, um, natural human instinct is to say, yeah, he pulled your, he tried to pull your helmet off, speaking in Mason Ray, uh, Rudolph regard, but you actually pulled this helmet off, was restrained, and then when he ran up on you, you swung his helmet at his bare head. So it, it, that's just a different level of discipline. Did you watch it live or did you see the replays of it? I saw it live, man. That's why I was shocked. I tweeted out. I said, "Man, Miles Garrett must have had the, he must have blacked out." Yeah. Like in in in, in nothing that Miles Garrett and our in me talking to him or being around him indicated that that was something that he would do if he got mad enough. It was like you said, he snapped, and I thought it was totally out of character uh, for what he did. But I also felt like he needed to be reprimanded for it because of the possibilities of what could have happened to um, Mason Rudolph. More from the great Marcus Spears in a moment, but first a word from ZipRecruiter. Hiring can be a slow process. Calfield Torres COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants, so he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And now, more from the great Marcus Spears. Now, one of the other big stories of last week going into this week was Tua Tunga Vailoa suffered a hip injury that knocked him out for the season. And I got to tell you, Mark, that, that, it just makes me sick. 
it makes me sick yeah, man. that these college athletes, uh, first of all, the NCAA makes so much money off these guys. And mm-hmm. this guy jeopardizes his future, his playing future, the health of his future, and the millions that he's poised to make. Now, the good part is that the surgery went well on Monday, and he's going to start his rehab process, I think, in six weeks, and they think he could start running again in three months, and they expect him to be recovered going forward by the spring. But that's, of course, if the doctors are right. What if they're not? Who knows? It just, that one, it just bothers me, man. It bothers me. What were your thoughts on Tua getting hurt the way that he did? Well, what bothers you, Shethi, I think is what bothers the majority of people when it comes to Tua personally. He's a great kid, and he he leaves an indelible mark on people when you have a chance to talk to him or just his positivity on life and and the game. Um, the other thing that bothers you is you think about the future, like you just mentioned, and you say, what did you – we don't know what Tua lost yet which is the part where you what, – what is so devastating about when, when guys, especially of this stature, get injured is you don't know what's lost yet until April, until the draft. It was so unfortunate. I don't blame Nick Saban. I don't blame uh, Tua for playing. I don't blame anybody for him being in the game because football is different in that way. They were still competing for a possibility of getting in the college football playoff. People say, well, he was up 35-7. If you've ever paid attention to Nick Saban, Nick Saban coaches when his team is up 58-3. He'll still curse somebody out on the sideline. Um, the plan was to get Tua out of the game at half, um, from what I know, to have him do a two-minute drill at the end of the half, which they've been struggling in this season, and then get him out of the game. And look, Chef, the hindsight is twenty twenty, and we all become geniuses when it happens, right? When we see things after they transpire, we all become geniuses. The thing about Tua's injury is nobody said Tua shouldn't be playing last week. And that's how much the emotional um, roller coaster transpires because, you know why? Because it was LSU. And it was two against three in the country, and everybody was excited. And every fan in the world wanted Tua to play and even though we knew he wasn't 100% healthy. But in this particular situation against Mississippi State, when you up and you got to leave and you got a head coach that's always about getting better, and then something like this happens, I don't want to say catastrophic because he's obviously going to be able to recover from it, but something that's really, really bad, a, in, a bad injury happens, then everybody is like, well, what the hell was he doing out there? Why was he playing? Why was he, you know, so that's just the emotional part of it. Here's what I'll say. When it comes to Tua and when it comes to his personality, the way he goes about the game, he wanted to play every game. Tua was upset last year about coming out of games at half, and everybody was complaining about him coming out of games because it was going to mess up his Heisman chances. Um, I don't know if you remember that. That's when Jalen Hurts was on the squad still. So it's a lot of it's a lot of just fake um, – fake narrative-driven, agenda-driven responses to the fact that Tua got hurt when it should be Tua was doing what he was doing, playing the, playing the game that he loves to play, and football is a totally different approach. Now, Chef, if me and you all, all get up or we doing your podcast and you ask me about Zion Williamson after he 
hurts his knee, I'm like, Zion should sit out the rest of the season because Zion was going to be the first pick without a college basketball season, yep. which yep. changes everything. Um, Tua played his way into a first-round draft pick, played his way in the status, and as much as we hate to admit it, GMs, general managers, head coaches, scouts on the next level want to see if you're going to perform when, when you are in some sort of pain. That's a that's a plus on your evaluation. Um, so I think it's just different in that regard, man. You, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to Steve Young in Mexico City on Monday, and I, mm-hmm. think, I think it was Steve that was saying to me, somebody said it to me, I think it was Steve, that it might be a good idea, and I never would have thought this, and I never would have spoused this ever to a star player, it might be a good idea for Tua to go back to school next season, play, stay healthy, Ooh. and then come back into the – like, that is the alternative way of thinking. I ordinarily yeah. would never recommend it, but when Steve said that, I said, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. Is there any part of you that could see Tua going back to school for another year? Like, no. I just thought I, – I, yeah, I just thought foregone conclusion, he's going to be out. He's coming to the draft. Yeah. That's, what, that's what it'll be. And then Steve said that, I, and I thought, wow, there, there's there's actually actually some merit to what he's saying. I don't yeah. really agree with it, but it's an interesting concept where he could go back, prove he could stay healthy, heal for a full season, and then if he heals for a full season and plays well, then he comes out as the number one pick. As it is right now, you know, right. we'll see we'll see where he falls. But I mean, I don't think it's inconceivable to think it would be a Jalen Smith kind of deal where. He falls from yeah. a top three pick to middle, bottom of the first round, maybe the top of the second. Oh, that, that's hard to imagine still uh, if he's healing and recovering well. But he's certainly not going to be as high a pick as he would have been, say, a month ago. Right. And so right. maybe it makes sense to go back to school to heal, recover, and then come out in 2021. Can you see that? No. Chef, if I, think we, if, I think if we talk in draft status where he falls out of the first round, um, where you can be dra- you can you can be a second rounder this upcoming draft or the first pick there. I, I would say to possibly go back to school, but in the case that he just dropped a few spots, which I don't think Tua would drop out of the first round. Um, and depending on if he if he's dropped, he he may go to a great situation where he doesn't have to Correct. play immediately with a good team. Um, with a good team. With with a good team. Um, but Chef, I always I'm always one of those dudes that's like, hey, if I'm gonna get hurt, I'm gonna get hurt getting paid. Right. Regardless of if it ain't as much as I would have got this year, if I stay next year, if I'm gonna be in this situation again, if they think I'm fragile or if they think I'm gonna get injured again playing quarterback. I'm going to get injured getting a check every Tuesday. If you're going to put your body on the line, you might as well get paid to do it. And he's no put his question. body on the line for the school before, and he hasn't gotten paid for it. So you know what? You go now, you get money, you secure some sort of bag. It's probably not as big as it was, was, but yep. it's still going to be plenty big. And, yes. and if he proves it at that level, then the second contract is going to be off the charts anyway. So... Exactly, because the quarterback can make that up more than, say, a linebacker like Jalen Smith. And a quarterback is going to still get drafted higher just because of the value of the position. You know, so it'll be some, it'll be a GM, it'll be somebody saying, man, look, I don't care about Tua Hip. That's a freak accident. Um, if we get a healthy Tua and we get him to get him in and get him healthy, um, he'll be a franchise quarterback for the next 15, 20 years. 
Speaking so of, yep. the risk to me is so low compared to the reward that you have by drafting him. I think GMs are, uh, eventually get to the point where they like, yeah, this is the same kid. Uh, two two and a half, three weeks removed off a high ankle sprain, threw for four hundred yards and four touchdowns against LSU. Yeah, no. If you want to slide to my team's turn in the twenties, I'm all over that. All about that, right? Like, no problem whatsoever. Like, sign me up for that right now. If he, if he even falls that far, he might not. No, nah, I, I doubt he fouled that far, Shefty. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I'd be surprised if Tua didn't go top ten still. Still. And why do you say that? Because he, just, he's, he, he, has, he has great talent. He played at Alabama. People are going to trust Nick Saban when they have these meetings with these colleges about his makeup and show that these injuries were free things. Um, and, and just what he's done in college. I mean, and, and basically, you, you, Joe Burrow's having a great year. Justin Herbert's having a great year. But who are you going to take after those two yeah. before you take two? Nobody. Not right now. Nope. Doesn't look. That and way. you would take two before them if the if they didn't like Joe Burrow is having a, a out of his mind season. This is like the rarity of what Joe Burrow is doing doesn't happen every year. Um, and he's entered into that conversation, probably going to be the highest the trophy winner. But coming into this season, this was Tua's year. They were tanking for Tua. They were Tua was the best quarterback in college. He was the Heisman favorite. Like, all of that didn't go away. The injury is obviously unfortunate, but the dude plays the quarterback spot at a high level, and I think NFL teams know that. I think they knew that last year before this season started. For those who don't know, you were a consensus All-American at LSU, first team All-SEC, a national champion in 2003, two-time SEC champion. Uh, you must watch LSU pretty closely. What are your thoughts on Joe Burrow and the type of pro quarterback he'll be? I mean, look, first of all, I'm ecstatic about how well they're doing. Jeff Diaz an alumni and a former player. Um, I think Joe Burrow's draft stock is high. And the, and the reason being is because – Joe Brady was coaching for the Saints. Um, Joe Brady is the offensive passing game coordinator. Steve Ensminger is the offense coordinator. And what Joe Burrow has shown is that in an offense, where you give me the opportunity to be me, who I am, spread this thing out, distribute the ball, make plays with my legs, um, he's shown in one year that he's a, a pro quarterback. And I don't know, like, I would love for Joe Burrow to be the first pick, and I know people are going to be enamored, and that's going to be a great talking point as we continue through the draft process and all of that. I don't know if he's a first pick, but he's definitely shown that he should be a first-round pick um, based on what he's been able to do. And he makes he, he throws the ball well, has a really good arm. A lot of people were concerned about his arm strength before this year. I think they know, see now that he can put the ball where he needs to put it. But the athletic side of him, which I think goes um, kind of goes under the radar, he's 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 he has that uncanny ability to just scramble and get you a first down. And in the league, that's at a premium. Six four prototype, see over people, take the check down, understands offense, grasp the system in one year, was able to take it to the highest level possible. Um, so it, it's a lot of things that people are going to love and, and be intrigued about. And Joe Burrow was at Ohio State, so it's not like he was coming from a lower-tier Division One school. He was at Ohio State. He was beat out by Dwayne Haskins, who was the 14th pick of the draft. Um, so I think with all of that 
with all of that combining together and his ability to be in a system where he can thrive and have success, uh, there's absolutely no reason to think he can't take that to the next level. Before I let you go, I want to commend you on the career that you've cobbled together after a standout career with the Cowboys and the Baltimore Ravens. You've become a television star. I believe you can be the next Charles Barkley, Marcus. My brother. <laughs> I mean that. Like, I think that's how good I think you are on TV. That's the type of ceiling I think you have. And I'm just curious where you would like your television career going, where you see this all going for you. What is this leading up to? First of all, my brother, I appreciate that compliment, man. It's true. Um, Chef, I don't – it's crazy. I don't know. But what I do know is <clears throat> when I'm on a show or when you watch me, eventually probably – I mean, ultimately you would like to have your own show where you have some creative – um, some creative input, and you can you can formulate it around, in my particular case, personality and, you know, have fun, but also give real football talks and be around people that I enjoy and love being around in, in the business, uh, you being one of those people included. But just when, I, when, when you watch shows that I'm on, I not only want you to be knowledgeable after you leave, man, have fun. We, we are in entertainment. Yeah. Like, ultimately, people want to turn on the television. And when we got to cover hard stuff, we t- we talk about it. And we talk about it intellectually. And we have good conversations. And we give experience conversations about what may have happened if we were in this situation or have we ever been around it. But ultimately, man, just have a good time. And I think if you start there, foundation, I think more than anything, that's what my career is. I'm having a great time. I'm I'm around people that love what they do. I'm around people that have has given me opportunities to to be myself on on, on a lot of platforms. And then too, man, just be just be a good person and respect the craft because a lot of times when you get athletes, they come in with this mentality that they just gonna be handed stuff. And I just I didn't come in with that mentality. I came in, you know, people gonna accept me for who I am or they not but I'm going to have a good time doing what I'm doing. I think that's what's resonating with people on the screen. I'm just enjoying it. And um, ultimately, um, on show or to be on a show with, with, with people that we killing it and we having a good time and we, we talking football and basketball and current stuff that's going on in the sports world. Like, ultimately, that would be my dream. You, you enjoy doing the TV more than you did playing football or you – did you enjoy playing football more? Than oh you yeah, man! I love doing the TV more, man. Shoot, <laughs> I'm not. My body don't hurt, Jeffy. I feel good. Um, you look. Good. You know, you I sit good. in the seat for two hours, and my legs get a little stiff. But other than that, I'm. I feel great. Um, football was my love, though, man. I enjoyed it. I loved doing it. But I got to a point in my nine year career in football where I knew it was over because my body was telling me it was over. Uh, with television, as long as I can keep running my mouth and people listen, I can keep going. And I think it's going to keep running for a long time. It, I think it will too, Chef. You know I don't shut up much. No. So and 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 and, be- I, and I hope we get the opportunity to work together again soon. Those are some of the most enjoyable shows that I get to do. The time seems to fly by, and that's always a sign of good television. When the time flies by, and you look up yeah. and the show's over, you say, "Well, that must have been fairly entertaining on TV then," because you know, you enjoyed the time. Well, man, let me get, like, first of all, you, dude, you Adam Schefter. Like, you were Adam Schefter before I started doing television. And I'm grateful for our relationship, what we was able to form. 
uh, doing get up together. But at the same time, man, you you elite, bro. You elite at what you do. You're not. I mean, I know we. It's hard for us to take compliments because we put our head down, work type of people. But you know, you elite, man. And I, it was an honor for me to work with you at Get Up, and it's gonna be an honor to work with you as we go through the future. And we're gonna work together again. Yeah, well, listen, those are very kind words to you. I appreciate them, and, and the honor is mine, and the feeling is mutual, believe me. you. And, and I really mean that. There, there are very few people that I enjoy working with more. And like I said, I, I hope we get the chance to do it today, and I thank you for the time today, your thoughts on Miles Garrett and Tua Tunga-Vailoa. And I'm so proud that I could pronounce that, by the way. I've been working on yeah. that. that. That is not I feel easy. like I figured it out, Shifty, so don't feel bad. We've, we've gotten through that. And I wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving there, my friend. Same to you, my brother. I will talk to you soon, man. We'll be in touch, Marcus. Thanks again. Later on, Chef. Later on, brother. All right, now we bring in a former 10-year NFL veteran, a man who is from Michigan, who went to play in Green Bay for, I believe, eight seasons before coming back to play for the Detroit Lions, where he still does work for the Detroit Lions organization, radio, online. Which one, TJ Lang? Which one is it? Uh, Right now, it's more some uh, the... uh uh, the website content, you know, doing some goofy shows. I do some post game shows once in a while with our uh, with our Twitter team. Um, that's about it right now. I don't want. I, you know, I've, it's been my life for the past ten years. I want to take a year off and kind of sit back and get a grip of what I want to do. But it's still nice uh, being a a little small part of the team. Still, you know, I still enjoy being around. And this is your first year out of football. How would you assess being away from the game, not having to play it in your first year out? Oh, uh, you know what? I've got three kids at home, and I don't really have a whole lot of time to think about football <laughs> right now. I mean, it's it's pretty much being a full time dad. I'm chauffeuring from hockey practice to swimming lessons. Um, a lot of stuff going on with the kids and with the family. Uh, you know, I definitely I, I miss the game. There's no doubt about it. I was just uh, down at Ford Field, you know, this past weekend watching the Lions take on the Cowboys, and you know, you still get all those emotions. You you get the goosebumps during the national anthem. Uh, I mean, you kind of get those nerves on a big third down, and I have to remind myself, well, I'm sitting up here in the stands. I'm not down there yeah. playing. You know, I, I don't have that pressure <laughs> anymore. But positives, obviously, you know, uh, health is is, uh, is a lot better compared to where it was, especially this time last year. Um, but, you know, just like the old cliche, you hear all the all the retired guys say, you, you miss being around the fellas. And yep. I think being a part of the offensive linemen, you know, offensive line group, uh, you spend so much time together. That really is a brotherhood. I mean, it's as close to college relationships as you can get. You know, all your best friends from at least my best friends from my time in Green Bay and my short time here in Detroit have all been offensive linemen. So you miss being around those guys every day. Who are the guys you miss the most specifically? You know, I, I think Green Bay time. I, I think uh, Josh Sitton and myself really had a, a very strong relationship. We still do. We still talk all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, he stood up in my wedding for him. I stood up in his wedding for uh, – or he, he stood up in my wedding for me, and I stood up in uh, his wedding for, for him too. And um, you know, Brian Balaga, a guy I played a long time with, seven years in Green Bay. A um, couple of the guys still up there in Green Bay, uh, you know, but Dave Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley. And then in Detroit, I mean, it was a little bit different group because we had so, such such a younger crowd when I got here. I think when I got here, Travis Swanson was the oldest guy, and I think he was in his third year, and I was going into my ninth. So <laughs> we didn't have a whole lot yeah. of uh, in common at the time, but a couple of those guys still, you know, Graham Glasgow is a good buddy of mine, and even Frank Ragnall, I even got a only got a year to play with Frank, but uh, I still talk to him quite a bit too. Taylor Decker, I mean, I, the list could go on and on. I, I still, that's the one good thing, man. Is is 
a couple of us are now out of the game, you know, Josh Sitton and myself, and, but we, we still talk all the time. And it's, it's really like, uh, it's really like it, nothing ever changed. You know, you still got those guys to, to call up and text with. And um, those are relationships that, you know, just so blessed to have and, and you're going to have them for life. Let me say this, having covered the Denver Broncos back in the day for 15 plus straight seasons, it always seemed to me like the offensive line was the closest knit group of any unit on the team. That's the, that that accurate across teams from Denver to Green Bay to Detroit to your experiences? A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think not only from uh, within the team, but you know, I, I spent a couple. Well, I spent one year down. Uh, you know, humble brag. The one year I went down to the Pro Bowl, yep. I made a lot of good buddies with with guys from other teams, uh, offensive linemen as well. Yeah. I think there's just something. There's just kind of this league wide brotherhood. Where you just you cheer for each other. I mean, there's no bitterness. There, there. You know, you know nothing, what it is. You, you got sour there. You, you root for everybody, and you, you you have friendships, and it's just such a cool kind of fraternity. You guys are selfless, strong, tough. Um, I mean, you have t- to be good looking, right? You yeah, have good, to be. good I mean, looking, good looking. <laughs> I, I forgot that one, TJ. My bad. Yeah, right. I mean, come on, don't shortcut <laughs> us now. But that's what it is. I mean, it's a selfless group. I mean, it, it's it's a group where. Uh, I think everybody realizes, hey, you, if you better realize young. I mean, I didn't realize young, but it took me a while. But one thing is, you got to be a selfless guy, and nobody's going to scream your uh, accomplishments from the mountaintop, but they'll scream your, uh, you know, your 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 uh, your mistakes from the mountaintop, and they'll kind of whisper your successes. And that's something that, hey, you know, it just comes part of the job, man. And I, I don't know, I've never been around any position group, any offensive lineman. Uh, you know, collectively or individually, guys that had a problem with that. It's just, uh, it's just those type of guys you want leading your team and protecting your quarterback. The guys that you know, we don't, we don't need the credit. We don't want the credit. We're just out here to, you know, be the grunts and get the job done. I always enjoyed spending time with the offensive line out in Denver. Guys like Mark Slareth and Gary Zimmerman and Brian Habib and Tom Nalen and Dan Neal and the late great Broderick Thompson and. Tony Jones. I'm just thinking of all the guys. That, I, I love that. I love the offensive line. I'm, listen, I'm not as big, strong, tough, unselfish, and, and as handsome as you guys, but those are the people that I felt like I had a good time with back in the day. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're not alone, too. I mean, even, uh, you know, guys, we started towards the end of my uh, run here in Green Bay. We started getting some guys who tried to be like honorary line, but, you know, we tried to get uh, Aaron Rodgers used to try to come to our O-line dinners all the time. We're like, nah, this is kind of our thing. And, um, <laughs> That's <laughs> no, the way it goes. Aaron was, a, Aaron, was a, uh, Aaron was one of us. He was there at every dinner and, and always hanging out with us. But you're right. I think even my time here in Detroit, uh, it's just a position group, man. Everybody on the team loves, you know. Yeah. I mean, you could go up and mess with the DBs and, and, and the kickers and the punters. I mean, we pretty much all have the same job where if you have one bad play, you know, everybody's going to kill you. So we kind of bonded with, with, the, uh, with the DBs and the kickers a little bit more than anybody else. But you're right, man. It's such, I mean, you know, it's not the easiest position to play, you know, in the NFL, but it's, it's one of the most rewarding, that's for sure. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on this week was last week on Twitter, on social media, you sounded off after the events of Thursday night that I think got the attention of our whole country, where Miles Garrett uh, basically attacked the Steelers quarterback, Mason Rudolph, and you tweeted, and tell me if I am getting anything wrong here, but it said, you wrote, there's a big difference in getting into a scrum and getting your ass whooped and getting into a scrum and getting your head smashed with a helmet. Wow, didn't take Miles yeah. as one of those players. 
Take your punk ass to go study dinosaurs, you fake-ass tough guy. So happy to see Pouncey <laughs> and DeCastro try to whoop his weak ass. That was the strongest take could, as I read from anybody, TJ. I got to tell you. Could, could you tell I was a little emotional at the time when I was writing all that? I don't how know come? Really how come? Like, what, it, what, what, uh, what, what hit you the way it did to enable you to sound off like that in such a strong way? I, I think it's... it's it, honestly, because when you play offensive line, it doesn't really matter what team you're on. You signed up to basically be the protector of your teammates, you know, and specifically the, the protector of your quarterback. I mean, it's it's basically you have to look at your quarterback as a branch of yourself and saying, I'm going to do anything possible to, to protect this guy with my life. And, and every offensive lineman, successful offensive lineman I've ever been around, have, have always had that mindset. And I'm glad I turned the game off a split second uh, that Thursday night when I did because if I would have seen that live, it would have kept me up all night. I was just so pissed off about it. And a lot of and and the one thing that I did mention with the tweet was, hey, it's a different. Listen, there's a big difference. If we we can all agree that Mason Rudolph is an idiot, right? I mean, he's picking a fight with a guy that's way bigger than he is. Right. Uh, he's got no business being uh, being in a match against Miles Garrett. But you also have to understand the emotions that are going through your mind at that time. It's a division game. Both teams are basically looking at it as a must-win. You're down by 14, and you take what I think, at least what I looked at, it was a late hit, unnecessary hit, wrestled to the ground. I mean, there's a lot of guys that get really pissed off in that situation. Now, there's a big difference of him going at Miles Garrett and Miles Garrett just smacking him across the face. Um or Miles Garrett taking a helmet and taking it to his head. I mean, there's, there's, everybody's been in scrums in the NFL. You're always going to get a couple guys that do something dirty, and you're going to get into a scrum. There's, a, there's, there's one really big cardinal sin is you don't hit somebody with a helmet. You know, it doesn't matter if you throw a punch. It doesn't matter if you slap somebody. If you rip a helmet off, nobody really cares about that. And none of those are really suspension worthy offenses. But when you're going to really try to, when you're really trying to physically hurt somebody. Uh, to the maximum, I think that's when that's that's what I thought was way way over the line, and and even I mentioned you know I played against a lot of guys who who've done some dirty things in the year. I mean you know throughout the years, and you look at Sue who now was raining with a couple times, you know stepping on Aaron's leg and kicking Evan Dietrich Smith in the arm. Yep. Um, those things are, are just enough to set you off. That's that's not even comparable to hitting somebody in the head with their own helmet. It's just not, and that's something that is is kind of bringing up that offensive line mentality of doing anything possible to protect your quarterback that's just something where when i saw that clip i was it it was like i was seeing red and the only kind of justice i felt like i got from it was the fact that you had guys like the castro and you had guys like pouncey um doing anything they could to kind of you know redeem some justice out of the whole situation because it's just I, i had never seen anything like that on the football field and quite frankly adam i think they let them off easy let them off easy why do you say that well, I mean, you, you got a guy who just, you know, physically tried to hurt your quarterback to the maximum, and all you do is basically get him on the ground and throw a couple punches at him with his helmet on. I mean, it's something, yep. you know, there's something that if you're going for, if you're going, to, you know, the whole uh, eye for an eye type of thing, I don't think you really got fair, uh, you know, fair uh, reimbursement out of that whole thing, but. Um, the whole thing was just nuts, man. And I, I, I honestly, and the one thing I did said was, you know, I didn't think Miles is that kind of guy. I mean, anytime you watch him in an interview, anytime you watch him really play football, he's an elite player. 
and he's just he's he's always seems like he's such like a calm demeanor. Yeah. Um, and even I've got guys up there that I talk to, you know, with with Alonzo Highsmith or Elliot Wolf, who I spent a lot of time with in Green Bay. You talk to those type of guys, and everybody loves him. He's like he's the most calm kid, cool, calm, collect. You know, he does. And and I think even a lot of those guys were surprised by it. Um, so it's just something, you know. Hey, I, I know I was emotional when I was saying that stuff, but you got, also got to understand. I think every other offensive lineman across the league, whether they're playing or whether they're retired, probably had the same reaction. Had you ever gone up against Miles Garrett in a game, TJ? I have not gone against Miles. Um, he, you know, obviously is a couple years younger, and, and uh, we just didn't we didn't match yeah. up with him. I think uh, a couple couple years ago, I think 2017, we were spoke where we played the. We played the Browns, and I was actually out that game with, uh, yeah. you know, lingering uh, concussion issues. Yeah. So I didn't get a chance to play him. But even then, I mean, even studying the film of him and even watching the film after how he played our guys, it wasn't – I can't remember everyone thinking, wow, this is a guy, hey, 95, got to watch from after the whistle, got to watch for this. And that, that never once yeah. came up. So I think that made um, – that made this whole thing even more surprising with watching, so you, say, you know, what he did to Mason. You said you were emotional. So even now – uh, almost a week later, you would not take back the fact that you basically said that he got his ass whooped and that he's a fake-ass tough guy and to take his punk ass to go study dinosaurs, correct? You wouldn't take that back? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, he's – he's. I, I don't I don't think I would take back the whole sentiment of the fact that he definitely deserves a very long suspension. Um I think probably the part where I said, you know, go study dinosaurs. Oh, he's going to have a lot of time to do that. But listen, this is a guy who is going to get another chance at the NFL. I mean, he's proven that time and time again. He's not only a great player, but what I said, you know, just a few minutes ago is that he really seems genuinely like a good person, which is why this whole thing seems so surprising. Um, I don't take back the emotions that I had, though. I think those were raw. I think they were real. And I think if you looked at any other, uh, you know, offensive lineman, in the league or or retired guys, you'd see a lot of the same um, the same same things being said. Uh, maybe not as strong as I did. I <laughs> I've had a tendency over the years to maybe be a little bit too strong, but um, I don't take any of it back. But no, I, I don't I don't think that he should be suspended for life. I think he should. I, I think he'll definitely get another chance. I think he's going to have a long way to go to kind of repair his image. Um, no doubt, anybody that would be in this situation uh, would would definitely have a lot of work to do, but. Uh, the fact that he's a young guy, the fact that he's an elite player, uh, and the fact that he's really never really kind of shown that type of uh, type of you know anger and, and lack of control before, um, I think will all be reasons that he'll get another chance, and I hope he does. You know, be, and I hope he does. I, he kind of seems like the type of guy who probably feels really bad about the whole thing. I would imagine, and, and I think just the situation he's in, not only how how it affects himself, but how it's going to affect his team. I mean, look. The Cleveland Browns just won two straight games, get back to four and six, kind of get back into the hunt a little bit, get their name back in there, and you go do something like this. I mean, it could be a death sentence for the rest of your year, and who knows, the coaching staff, some play. I mean, it's just it, the whole thing could be a domino effect going down. So um, that's something, unfortunately, he's probably going to regret, but he'll he'll definitely get another another chance, and I hope he does. Um, I'm, I'm a guy that, that, you know, respects, and I appreciate second chances, and he's going to be a guy that certainly will deserve one at, at some point. TJ, before I let you go, and I got to get you out of here quickly. I know you're on a time limit here. Um, on Monday, I posted on Instagram and Twitter the odds for the most valuable player at this point in the season. Lamar Jackson is currently listed in Vegas right now at seven to five. Russell Wilson is two to one. Aaron Rodgers nine to one. Uh, Patrick Mahomes ten to one. Dak Prescott ten to one. 
and you commented that when it's all said and done, nine and one on Aaron Rodgers might be a steal. What are the chances you think that Aaron Rodgers here is going to rally here down the stretch and pull off this MVP award? Well, you know, if they didn't have such a dominant run game and such a dominant one-two punch, I, I would say it's uh, it's a uh, <laughs> 99% chance, uh, right? But the fact of the matter is you get into these December games in Lambeau Field, you're going to have to run the ball. You know, it's going to be cold. It's going to be snowing. So I'm not sure how much his stats are really going to boom, you know, in these last six games. Uh, but from what we've seen so far from him, I mean, you, you can't argue what Russell and what Lamar have been doing. Um, this year they've been absolutely phenomenal, but I would definitely not count out Aaron Rodgers in the, going in the last six games. I mean, historically, he, that's where he's kind of shown uh, where he can be his most dangerous. Going back to 2016, my last year there, we were four and six. We went off and ripped, to, ran the table, you know, as, as some like to say, and just playing with the guy and, and obviously know what kind of guy he is. I think he's ready to uh, just just <laughs> light the league on fire these last six games. If they didn't have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, um, I'd say it's probably a hundred percent chance that he's going to pull away with it. But the way they've been running the ball, he might have to take a back seat to those guys. <laughs> hey, TJ, I really appreciate the time today. Thanks very much. Now you're going to get out of here. Enjoy talking, and hope we can do it again sometime again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Adam. And there is former offensive lineman TJ Lang. Before we get to ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan, first a word from Vivid Seats. We all love a night out whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. With the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can attend the concert or show of your choice and earn credit towards your next live event. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. All you need to do is use the Vivid Seats app to purchase tickets and start earning today. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code ESPN25 for 10% off your next order. That's ESPN25 for 10% off. Cap hit. All right, so here we are with ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan as we get ready for week 12. And Evan, this may be the most attractive weekend and slate of games that we have had yet you agree with that absolutely adam look you look at it from from top to bottom and we start thursday night and let's just go through it quickly thursday night colts texans a game for first place in the afc south then you you fast forward to sunday you've got a few few good one o'clock games including panthers saints when you look at some of the star players in that one with christian mccaffrey alvin kamara drew Brees, michael thomas seahawks eagles and then you've got the two big ones later on sunday when you talk about cowboys Patriots with maybe the two biggest fan bases in the league, yep. the two highest valued teams in the league, if you look at Forbes. And then you go to the night game, Packers 49ers, a game that will be huge as we look down the road in terms of home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. Oh, and don't forget Monday night, Lamar Jackson yep. and the Ravens go to LA to face the Rams. So look, it's a great week from top to bottom and and, and we'll talk about a few of those games here, but I mean, the, the the thing I like, too, is it spans the entire weekend. It starts Thursday night and goes all the way through to Monday. 
you know, it almost feels like it should be like Thanksgiving week, like a celebration yeah, of football, right? Like we might as well start Thanksgiving it, this yeah, week. Yeah, absolutely. Right, look, with the great games. Right, and you look at Monday night, and, and by the time that game ends, you have Thanksgiving, what, three days later? So look, it's we're, we're set up for a nice stretch of games and, and through the Thanksgiving holiday and, and the weekend after over the next 10 days here. Very fired up for this weekend, week 12. All right, so let's delve into those matchups yeah. a little bit. And I guess my first question would be, can Dak keep it up in New England, Evan? Yeah, look, you look at the way the Cowboys offense has kind of evolved this year. And let's take it first from Ezekiel Elliott's perspective. So he is accounting for about 24% of the Cowboys scrimmage yards this year. That's down from 36% last season. So this has become an offense that revolves around Dak Prescott. Not Zeke. No, not Zeke. And look, Dak has the most combined passing and rushing yards in the NFL and let me talk about yards just quickly here, because passing yards, when you're just talking about passing yards, they can be overrated. You look at the top three in yards right now this season, it's Dak Prescott, Phillip Rivers, Jameis Winston. I don't know that anyone would say, would say that Rivers and Winston are having great years, but you combine the yards Dak has thrown for, over 3,200, with the fact that only Russell Wilson has thrown more touchdowns than Dak Prescott. He has 21 this year. He's got the second highest QBR. Look, We'll get into all the contract stuff. It appears like that's going to happen after the season, but and, and and people will poke holes in what Dak's done in terms of the defenses he's played. They'll have a big chance on Sunday against the Patriots, but look, it, it's hard to discount the production that he's had this year. And and yeah. we don't talk about him in terms of the MVP because I get it. He he hasn't won. They're only six and four, and wins are a big part of it. But look, th- this offense is running through Dak Prescott. Yeah. As of through 10 games. You know, listen, uh, Zeke is still arguably the best running back in football. I, mm-hmm. mean, I mean, Chris McCaffrey's up there right now. Alan Kamara's up there right now. Zeke is right there with them. He's one of the best. But but he, I don't know that he looks the same as yeah. last year. No, I, would, I, I don't know if that's contract related. Like, he's got his contract. Like, right. is he running? Like, he's still a monster. Yeah. And he's still great. I, I don't know. I just, I, I, it, I'm asking. I don't, I don't know this. Has he gained a little weight? Has he lost some of that? I, I don't know the answers, but it does. Like last year, you watched Zeke, and it was just dominance, dominance, yep. dominance. I don't see that this year. No, I agree with you. And you look at the last two games under fifty yards in both of those games. He's had he's had three games this year where you've where he's averaged fewer than three yards per carry. Um, so look, we'll, we'll see what happens. Th- 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 that's just a great game Sunday in New yeah. England, right, Adam? It's a matchup that we only see every four years in terms of the divisions playing each other. But when you talk about Cowboys, Patriots, that's one that if you're an NFL fan, even if you don't root for that, those teams, you're tuning into that game. It's just, it's just, it speaks for itself when you hear Cowboys, Patriots. And I'm also tuning in Sunday night for the Packers and 49ers, uh, two teams, either one of which could wind up being the number one seed in the NFC with home field advantage through the playoffs. When you look at that game, you see any similarities between Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Garoppolo at all? Yeah, I do. And, and you, we always are drawn to the quarterbacks and you, and you look at them and they've, they've co- kind of followed similar career trajectories. You took, took Aaron Rodgers, who spent three years sitting behind Brett Favre as his backup with the Packers. You look at Jimmy Garoppolo, who spent three years sitting behind Tom Brady, another Hall of Famer with the Patriots. Both QBs were 24 years old when they made their first career start. And then you look at Aaron Rodgers, who once he finally got that chance, it was in his sixth NFL season when he won his only Super Bowl. And Jimmy Garoppolo is in his sixth NFL season this year. 
And the thing that sticks out to me about Garoppolo is as we went through those first seven, eight games and the 49ers were undefeated, they were doing it mostly with the running game and the defense. Now, over the last few weeks, take out that second half against the Seahawks, Garoppolo's putting up big numbers. I mean, he's got four touchdown passes in two of his last three games, and he might need it again to match Witz with Aaron Rodgers on Sunday night. Uh, that should be a great game. Fired up for that one. Yeah. It's really, and, think, and you know what it does to me, Adam, too? It, it reminds me of all of those, those great matchups in the nineties. And you can yeah. throw the, and you can throw the Cowboys into that mix too. But you talk about those three teams just dominated the NFC from 1992 to 1997-98. And, and now they're all really, they're all good again. And Packers 49ers, you just, you just think of, of our friend Steve Young and Brett Favre and those matchups. Yeah, it, it, and wasn't Terrell Owens that great catch yeah, across the middle? That absolute, was against the, absolutely was. Out. That was against the Packers, yeah, right? Yeah, 1998 wild card round, a, a, a classic playoff game between those two teams. Yeah, yeah, and they've played great games, and I, this one has a chance to be another one. And then the final matchup of the weekend that will get our eyeballs and get our attention is Monday night, Lamar Jackson's Monday night debut. There might not be a player in the league Right now, that is more popular, uh, more in demand than Lamar Jackson. Do you know last week, Evan, when the Ravens posted that uh, video replay yep. of his pirouette running spin move mm-hmm. uh, against the Bengals, I believe it was, Yep, it got, I think, 12 million views on Twitter. Wow. 12 million views. And the guy, just people are drawn to him right now. He's a magnet. They are. And so Monday night becomes his debut. What stands out about the fact that he's making his Monday night debut against the Rams to you? Well, look, he's he's the talk of the NFL, as you said right now. And I think I think this narrative is starting to change, but we need to start referring to him. He is he is a quarterback who runs. He is not just an athlete playing quarterback. He's not just a running quarterback. Because you think about his rushing yards this year. And yes, he is on pace for by far the most rushing yards by any QB in a season in NFL history. Uh, but think well, about who his, has that record? Michael Vick? Michael Vick has that record. And what is that record? It is just over a thousand, I want to say. It's, yep. it's about a thousand thirty nine. Let's see, let's see if I nailed it. Uh pulling it up right here. Michael Vick. One thousand thirty nine. Nailed it. Two thousand. Yeah, that's very good. And, and and what is Lamar on pace for? Because I'm sure you have that number right. He is tip, on pace. Or your fingers too. For, yep. He's on pace for over twelve hundred yards. So he, he's on pace to shatter the record. Uh, about twelve twelve hundred sixty. But you look at what he's done now. What sticks out to me, the running is great, and we we've talked about that. We put that in perspective. Look at think about what he's done throwing the ball over the last three games, Adam. Yeah. Eight touchdown passes. No interceptions. Completing 77% of his passes. That's highest in the NFL since week nine. <laughs> he has a total QBR of 95 out of 100 over a three-game span. Not yeah. a one game. Not two. Three games. That's the highest by any QB in a three-week span this season. So you think about him when you combine what he's doing through the air and what he's doing on the ground. It's remarkable what he's done. And look... I know the Patriots are nine and one, but it seems like everybody out there is, has them, has the Ravens as the favorite in the AFC. Would you agree with that? Uh, right moment? now, it's hard to argue that. I'm, yeah. You know, listen, the Ravens and Patriots squared off, and right. Baltimore manhandled the right. Patriots. And you don't see anybody do that to New England. Now, I know that New England gets better as the season goes on under Bill Belichick. That's a hallmark of that organization. But it just looks like Lamar Jackson is somebody that nobody can stop right now. And Monday night when we were in Mexico City, Steve Young was saying sometimes it takes teams a full year 
to get used to somebody so different and so talented, and they don't figure out how to slow down a weapon like a Lamar Jackson yep. until the offseason. And so we may just see Lamar just keep trampling defenses all the way up to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's possible that we see that. It is. Look, until we see somebody stop them, we're going to assume that this team is going to continue rushing for about 200 yards per game and continue putting up upwards of 40 points. And Lamar Jackson Jackson is going to continue completing all these passes and, and yeah. having this connection with these tight ends. It's been remarkable to watch, and it'll be fun to see him uh, on the Monday night stage in, in Los Angeles. Well, I mean, I really appreciate you prepping us for Week 12. Like I said, uh, feels like Thanksgiving a week early, and we are thankful to have these games ahead of us and thankful for your time today. Thanks very much. Absolutely. Thanks, Adam. And there's the ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan, for providing some insight into the great Week 12 matchup. Special thanks to the former Lions and Packers offensive lineman, TJ Lang, for sharing some of his thoughts on the events of the last week. And special thanks to my friend, the great Marcus Spears, for sharing his thoughts on those events as well. Check out our brand new podcast, ESPN Daily, hosted by Mina Kimes. Monday through Friday, she takes a look at the most interesting stories at ESPN in just 20 minutes. Listen and subscribe now to ESPN Daily wherever you find your podcasts. And I also should thank you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we'll have on the Jaguars Pro Bowl defensive end, Calais Campbell, as we discuss Thanksgiving and make our preparations for the holiday that's almost upon us. Until then, everybody, thanks for listening and have a great week.